Um, Proverbs 4 has about a billion and one commands. And it can come across as a little bit overwhelming. We live in a society that used to read books. Now we read tweets, only 144 characters. We used to watch feature-length movies. Now the trend is seven-second vines. So working on the presumption that you like culture, let me give you one verse in Proverbs 4 to grab a hold of. Look at verse 23. This is a a verse that is worthy of your attention, uh, definitely worthy of your memorization. Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your hearts, for it is the wellspring of life. This week, my father-in-law had a heart attack. Now, he's doing okay, he's recovering, but when that happens to someone you love, tons of things go through your mind. And one of the things that was quite prominent and maybe profound that came to my mind this week off the back of that experience is that your heart is quite important. Maybe an understatement. Uh, To use the language of this verse, it is the wellspring of life. Your ticker is pretty critical to your existence. It is the source of all physical life. We do in some ways take it for granted. When was the last time that you thought of the energy that is pulsating through your heart? When was the last time you cared for it or scrutinized it or checked it or engaged with it? We live in such a society that is so overwhelmed with the exterior appearance that often our vital organs can go pretty unguarded. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. In the Bible, the heart is not just the physical aortic pump that is keeping you alive. Biblically, it is more than that. It is your core personality. It is your innermost being. It is the seat of your emotions. It is the source of all uh, reaction or behavior or uh, energy or thought or anything. It is the wellspring of all that you are and all that you do. It is the source. And you can think of it in two ways. The heart is the source of all output. Uh, Jesus speaks and he says, the good man from his heart uh, brings out good things. The evil man from his heart brings out evil things out of the overflow of the heart. The mouth speaks. See, the heart is the source of all of your output. But more than that, your heart is also the destination of all input. Everything that your eyes see, that your ears hear, that your feet take you, everything engages with your heart as its final destination. It is your well spring. And so your heart, what it loves, what it esteems, what it demands, what it craves, what it hates, is involved in everything you do. Maybe more than that, is forefront in everything you do. Let me give you some examples. Uh, You go shopping, and you buy yourself a new outfit. Now, at the very base level, what is that outfit? It is a covering for the things that need to be covered, and maybe warmth for the things that will get cold. But what does your heart do with that new outfit? It takes what is only for the sake of decency, and it takes it and makes it the source of your dignity. 
doesn't it? So you go out and you buy a new jacket. Now when you wear that jacket, what is going on? It is not just protection from the rain, but it becomes the projection of your image, doesn't it? You think differently about yourself as you wear that jacket for the first time. And you hope that other people think differently about you as you wear it. Other things. What about when you go for a haircut? Now, at a base level, what is a haircut? Maintenance, isn't it? But what do we make it? You go to the haircut, you get the short back and sides, or you get it colored to hide the gray, or whatever you get done. But what is different when you walk out with the barbers or the hairdressers? You feel different. It's not just maintenance, but it becomes confidence. You know that? Um, What about the car that you drive? You get a new car, and you pull up to another car at the lights. Now, at a base level, that is just order on the city streets. But what is your heart doing in that moment? Oh, it's comparing, isn't it? And it is finding your identity in whether you have a nicer car or a lesser car than the one that you have pulled up to. Maybe it's the same with your house uh, or a craving for a new house. It's not just shelter. What does your heart do in that moment? That house becomes a passport for a new level of snobbiness or your entry into a new social class. See, your heart is engaged in everything you do. Yesterday, I cut my grass, our grass in our house. I've not done it in nine months we've been in our house. That's the first time I've done it. I found this rickety old kind of, what do they call it, lawnmower. I'm not a gardener. I found this lawnmower. The blades were so bad, they might have well been wooden spoons. They cut nothing. So here I go all over my grass. I finish, or so I thought, and I compared it to my neighbor's grass. Now, my neighbor has those different colored lines, like on a football pitch. Now, what did my heart do in that moment? It wept. Because at that moment, the test of manhood became your lawn. It is the wellspring of all emotion and activity. So I redid my grass. Went over it again because of that heart drive. Your heart is your wellspring. And so what does Proverbs 4.23 say? Above all else, I cannot stress this enough, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. What do you guard? You guard something that is as significant as if you lost it, you would die. You guard it, you protect your heart. What does it mean to guard your heart? At one level, you've got to guard the source. If you're, this idea of a wellspring is almost like a reservoir, that every water outlet flows from this reservoir. So you've got to guard it. Because if this gets polluted, what happens to every tap in Edinburgh? They get polluted water. Guard the source. You've got to guard your heart. Sarah and I love 24. Great series. Uh, series 5, which I think is the best, um, the terrorist plot is that they're going to kill as many people as they can with a lethal gas. Now, how do you um, get a lethal gas out in a city so that it has a maximum effect? You go to the gas distribution work. 
And if you can infiltrate that, everyone who turns on gas in their home will feel its fatal effects. So it is with the heart. You've got to guard the source or else every action, behavior, thought, emotion, reaction will be polluted. But there's another site. As well as guarding the source, you've also got to guard the inlets. See, if water is flowing into the reservoir that is polluted, then the source will become polluted. You've got to guard the source, but also the inlets, what your eyes are seeing, where your feet are taking you. Now, what is true of your heart? If you're a Christian, it is true that it has been made new, it has been cleansed. But until Jesus returns or until we meet him in heaven, our heart still bears some of its old traits. What does the Bible say about your heart? It is a compulsive liar. It says it is an idol factory. It says it is a craving addict. You've got to guard it. What does the Bible say about the world? It's a contaminating evil. What does it say about our enemy? He's a prowling lion. What does it say about those who are not Christians? It says that they have a contagious disease. So what does it say for us? Guard the source, guard the inlets, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Your heart is what God desires. I love the Lord your God with all your heart. The heart is what God perceives. He looks not on the outward appearance, but on the heart. And your heart is what God will one day judge. He exposes the motives of men and women's hearts. So what are we to do as Christians living, seeking to live wisely? Above all else, guard your heart. What about like airport security? You guard everything that goes out and you guard everything that comes in. You guard it, you expose it, you x-ray it, you rummage through it, you undress it so that you can guard your heart. And tonight I just want to ask a question, well, how do we do this? How do we guard the source and how do we guard the inlets? Two things. Firstly, we're going to see that it's about getting wisdom in to the heart. And then secondly, we're going to see that it's about keeping wickedness out. Firstly, getting wisdom in. Proverbs 4, if you look at it, even if you just skim the kind of left-hand edge of your page in the Bible, is just this barrage of commands. Listen, pay attention, gain, don't forsake, lay hold, keep, get, get, don't forsake, love, esteem, embrace. It gets a little bit overwhelming. But that is a technique of this wise father. It communicates both his urgency, this is important, but also how practical this is. There is tons of things you can do and you must do to guard your heart. So what does he say? The son is to be three things to get wisdom in. Firstly, the son is to be a student. Look at the words in kind of verses one to five. We get words like instruction, understanding, sound learning, teaching, Words, commands, wisdom, understanding. The heart must be educated, and so the son must be a student. 
The Christian life is not less than learning, but it is this process of getting wisdom and understanding. It is not natural to our hearts, and so we must get it. But also, do you notice in verse 5, what does the Father say? Get it, get it, don't forget it. Not only do we need to get wisdom, but we need to not forget it. It is an ongoing experience of a Christian that he must be a student. The Christian life of guarding your heart and getting wisdom is not like the occupation of a painter who can go to a wall and do a coat, leave and come back, and nothing is changed. Rather, it's like the occupation of a man whose job is to push a boulder up a hill. He cannot walk away and leave it. Because if he does, what is there when he comes back? Nothing. Because the boulder is where? The trouble is, when we stop getting wisdom, we stop being wise. And so here is this son that is told by his father to get wisdom and keep on getting it. It is not, I got my theology then and I have it now, but it is, I am getting, I am being instructed, I am learning, I am understanding. Why, why is this necessary? Because our hearts tell the most deceitful lies. We need a teacher to come along and say, what are you doing finding your confidence in a haircut? What are you doing finding your identity in a car? They are so fleeting and passing and baseless. My son, listen, learn. Be wise. The son is to be a student. His heart must be educated. It is not natural. We need to get it. And it, it's not that we can come and say, well, I'm not bright. I'm not a learner. I'm not a reader. In Proverbs, it is not a case of um, intellect, but more decision. Do you want it? Come and get it. He who lacks wisdom should... Ask God, James says. But not only a student, if you keep going down, verse 6, the son is not only a student, but he is to be a lover. Look at the words in verse 6. Don't forsake, she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Skip down to verse 8. Esteem her, embrace her. His heart must not only be educated, but it must be one. It is beyond learning to loving, beyond the intellect to intimacy. It's back to this Proverbs idea that wisdom is fundamentally relational. Wisdom is pictured here as a woman. That the son is to be intimate with, close to. Wisdom is personal. Do you notice what wisdom will do? She will protect you. She will watch over you. Verse 8, she will exalt you. Verse 9, she will give you a grace garland. Wisdom is coming to the person who will protect you. Guarding your heart is coming to loving the one who will guard it for you. My role at hearts as a chaplain means I get in to Tynecastle on a Saturday. I can be around the tunnel and the dugout and the changing rooms. And a couple of weeks ago when Neil Lennon came to Tynecastle with Celtic, uh, I noticed that he had a man with him who turned out to be his bodyguard. 
Neil Lennon a few years ago got a lot of death threats. And so since then, he has got this man who can only be compared to a wardrobe. The size of this guy is phenomenal. But he was never more than two meters from Neil Lennon, guarding him, protecting him. Being guarded for Neil Lennon is relational. And being guarded as a Christian is just as relational. Not just getting to know woman wisdom, but the one that she foreshadows, the Lord Jesus Christ. Guarding your heart is about coming to the Jesus who will guard it for you. There's great images in the gospel, isn't there? Remember John's gospel, he speaks of himself first as the gate for the sheep. The sheep in the pen, him standing in the breach as the one who will protect. He progresses the image and he says, I am the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. When the wolf comes, some shepherds will flee, I will guard. So the narrative in John progresses to the point where Jesus is in Gethsemane. And his disciples are in the garden and Judas and his enemies come and Jesus once more stands in the breach. His disciples guarded in the garden. He will progress to a cross where he will lay down his life to guard his disciples, not only from the threat of his enemies, but from the threat of death as he lays his life down for their sins. Guarding your heart is fundamentally coming to Jesus, the one who will guard it for you. Intimate, relationally close to him. But third, a student, a lover, but also an investor. Verse 7. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. I wonder if we were to ask of your life, What is supreme? What is number one? If we were to ask, though it is costing him everything, he is getting this. Well, the Father says, that investment must be in this wisdom. The choices he's making are showing that he is above all else guarding his heart. Because that is his supreme task. He is a student, a lover... And an investor, he knows, as Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? He remembers the two parables that Jesus told. The man who is told that in this field there is a treasure and a pearl. What does a man do? Sells his house, sells everything he has to buy the field that he might have the treasure. Does your life display this investment, this cost, that reveals that you are above all else guarding your heart. See, what's that going to look like this week for you? To be above all else, getting wisdom in, laying hold, getting, being taught, being reminded, gaining wisdom. I will leave some time at the end of the sermon. And maybe the right thing for you to do is to get out your diary or your calendar for the week and say when am I going to get wisdom it doesn't happen naturally it's not where we're at by default how am I going to get it in and not just a superficial reading but a a meditating a praying so that it guards my heart 
thoughts. So it's not just in my mind as a student, but in my heart as a lover. How are you going to get it in? When are the heart attacks going to be? The pressure points. One of the things that struck me as I've studied Proverbs, and in light of some of the Psalms, that actually one of the main places we need to guard our hearts is when we're lying in our beds. That shows you that your behavior is not just your outward actions, but it flows from something else. Because when you're lying on your bed, the room is dark, you're not doing anything, but your heart can still be plotting or scheming or lusting. How are we going to guard our hearts this week? Even when we're lying in our bed, that could be the point of heart attack. Psalm 36 has the language of plotting evil while on his bed. We'll spend some time after the sermon so we can think that through for ourselves. Above all else, guard your heart. So get wisdom in. But secondly, keep wickedness out. In Proverbs, there are only two paths. There is the way of wisdom, fearing God. And there is the way of wickedness. And so how do you guard your heart? Well, again, scan through some of the commands from verse... uh, Well, let's go from verse 14. Don't set foot. 15. Avoid. Down to verse 25. Or verse 24. Put away perversity. Keep corrupt talk far. 25. Let your eyes look straight ahead. 26. Make level paths. Take only ways that are firm. 27. Don't swerve. Keep your foot from evil. How will you guard your hearts? Not only by protecting and guarding the reservoir, but by protecting and guarding the inlets. Above all else, guard your heart by keeping wickedness out. Wisdom is sometimes expressed most clearly by avoidance, by keeping far away. That is to say, guarding your heart this week may mean that there are places you don't go, Books you don't read, magazines you don't buy, fantasies you won't indulge, friends you won't hang out with, holidays you won't go on. The whole of Scripture is on the side of caution. The amount of times we are told to flee. Wisdom is avoidance. One writer says, to pretend to dread sin without fearing temptation is self delusion. That means we don't just avoid sinning, but the occasions that would lead to sin. Another old writer, to venture upon the occasion of sin and then to pray, lead us not into temptation, is to thrust your finger into a fire and then pray that it wouldn't get burnt. There's a foolishness in our hearts that thinks it is mature enough and strong enough to go close to the temptation to sin without being in danger. Proverbs, the whole of the Bible, would earn the sight of caution. Above all else, guard your hearts by keeping wickedness out. You take your heart with you wherever your feet go. Your heart is exposed to whatever your eyes see. Your heart listens in to whatever your ears hear. And so guarding your heart is sometimes not going, 
not seeing, not listening. Now, what's that going to mean this week for us as a very congregation? It's going to be different things for different people. Um, maybe the young girls, uh, maybe still at school, and all the friends have the posters of One Direction and Tom Daly and all these guys, and they are lusting, loving after them. Wisdom may be that we don't go, we don't go into the rooms where they're going to be looking at the posters. We don't indulge in the conversation that they're going to be indulging in. Why? You've got to guard your heart. Uh, young lads, a Grand Theft Auto is not a game. It is an attack on your heart that is making things normal like sex and corruption and violence. Guard your heart. Parents of teenagers, how are you going to think through how you guard their hearts as they mature? It may be to say that giving a teenage boy a laptop or a TV in his room is like giving a toddler a power tool and being surprised when they get hurt. Why not have the conversation with your teenage son or daughter about how they guard their heart from the heart attacks? Uh, maybe others. What about students? Uh, if you look at verse 18 and 19, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. If I was to ask the question, out of those two paths, which path is the nightclub on? I think it's on the path of wickedness. Why is it dark? What is wisdom going to look like? What is guarding your heart going to look like? Maybe avoidance, not going, in case what your heart sees and listens to is going to endanger it. What about others of us, maybe older? I wonder what some of the blind spots are for us that we've let our guard down on. I read one author recently who says that he thinks materialism is the blind spot of modern-day Western Christianity. Uh, We go nuts if we hear of a Christian that is indulging in porn. We will do everything we can to help someone who's struggling with addiction or gambling. But we don't bat an eyelid about the person who is spending more and more money on things, on houses, on cars, on whatever. It could be a heart attack. A nice big house may not be a sinful thing. But a nice big house may be a sinful thing. It depends on your heart. But we need to remember texts like 1 Timothy 6.9. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Paul's next word is flee. Where are the heart attacks? Where are the inlets that we need to guard against? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. 
Maybe you're not a Christian here tonight. Uh, maybe you don't think very often about your heart. And maybe when you do, it is purely physical. Uh, but it is true that we would say life is like a journey. And sometimes we do stumble, as that verse said in 19. You know, whether it's things that we do that cause us to stumble or whether it's things that happen to us like a heart attack. But maybe tonight God is shedding some light on your path and is saying, do you know what? As we stumble through hard times or through mistakes, do you know what? There is one who can lead you and guide you and even guard you. Maybe God in his word tonight is shining the light on your path and saying, you need to see this Jesus who will not only guide you and guard you through a heart attack, but can bring a light that will cause you not even to stumble through death. Because his crucifixion and his resurrection means that there is light even in the darkness of death. Maybe tonight you need to start like the sun being a student. I want to find out about this. Come and chat to me or Robin or someone else. Or maybe come to our Christianity Explore course that starts uh, very soon. Be a student and say, God, show me this Jesus, this guide, this guard. And maybe that will progress to, like the son, becoming a lover. Finding that this Jesus is one that is worthy of your affections and your desires and your investment far more than anything this world has to offer that would never satisfy. It is an investment that many of us in the room have made, saying, you know, though it's cost me everything, I'll have Christ. Because in him I have everything. But for those of us who are Christians, let's uh, spend some time. If we can have the next slide up. Uh, one more. Uh, let's have a look at these two questions. Let me give you, I don't know, four or five minutes to think really practically, what is it going to look like to guard your heart this week? Uh, how and when will I get wisdom in? Maybe it's to get your diary out and say, uh, maybe even with your wife if she's with you or uh, your family and say, when are we going to spend time getting, uh, understanding, learning uh, the times in the day? Uh, when am I going to sit down and read? When am I going to sit down and pray? Because unless it is scheduled, it probably won't happen. But then secondly, spend a little bit of time saying, what, where, and who will I need to avoid? And knowing your own heart, uh, what are the heart attack moments? What are the dangers? What are the snares that we need to keep ourselves from? And then why not pray uh, silently and ask God to help you in that? Let's spend some time and then we'll sing.